Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Nicole Sylvester and I am so glad that we're here today together. Today's one of those days. We have a really great show as we tend to do over here, but I love it when I bring on a guest. I love when you get to listen into the conversations I share with really amazing humans and today is one of those sessions. So a few weeks back, Erica Lippi and I sat down to talk about all the things. She is an incredible woman. We met years ago when she interviewed me on her show. Her show has grown in such a phenomenal way. And I wanted to bring her on to share so much about what she has going on because there's a lot. But I really know that a lot of you out there are growing a podcast, feeling curious about starting a podcast, wondering if you should. And I thought Erica is one of those people that I need to bring on the show to talk about this. So Erica Lippi is a life and wellness coach, an entrepreneur, and host of the well-known podcast, Passion Love Pursuit. She helps women reclaim their inner radiance to show up full in their divine brilliance and live in authentic alignment. She really does model self-care and vibrant living in her everyday, and she's created a beautiful life, business, and impact by empowering others to do the same. The thing I really love about Erica is that she is one of those humans that she made a decision, she set up a goal, she went for it, and you can hear all about how it worked out. But she's just really a sweet and bright soul. So over the years, since her and I did sit down for a conversation on her podcast, I have watched her show up consistently and demonstrate the love for what she does, the passion, the love, and showing up in her very own pursuit of growth and evolution. She has a love for dogs. For all of you that know, I just love dogs. You're going to hear about that. You're going to hear about her not-so-common other job that she's been doing for a long time. We talk about wellness. We talk about self-worth. We talk about self-love. We talk about leaving unhealthy relationships. And we cover a lot of things. So I want to invite you to really enjoy the show. You're going to find down in the show notes, you'll find a link to what Erica has going on. Of course, she has her book, which you're going to hear about. She has her Instagram, which I say, go over there and follow her. But she also has a program that you can learn All the things if you want to start a podcast and you want it to be successful, because this is the one thing that I don't think I drove home enough when we were talking live because I was so interested in all the other things. But her podcast has been in the top charts for Apple for some time. She has big names on her show. We talk about that. We talk about what it's like to kind of get over that imposter syndrome and get in a conversation with people that have been really successful when you're just starting out and just you have a dream of having a really successful podcast. So she has done the thing. So you can find the link below to get involved in that as well. So my friends, enjoy the show. I can't wait to hear what you think of it. If it has impacted you in some way, which I know it's going to, I would love to hear how it has go ahead and tag myself tag erica we love to hear how the show has impacted you for now enjoy erica it's been how long like three has it been like three years or maybe four i'm guessing so i'm coming up on my four-year anniversary of my podcast i don't remember what <sighs> episode you were but definitely you were in the first year so it's been yeah. 
It's been a moment. Yes. Yes. I'm so excited. So I learned so much about you and that's why I love doing these. I'm just starting to do interviews and I would say like in this season, three years later, but I started researching and I'm like, oh, I'm learning so much. I have so many questions for you now. Perfect. Awesome. Yeah. I'm so happy. Thank you for holding this space for me. I appreciate it. Of course. When I was thinking of, you know, people I wanted to interview, you definitely came to mind for a few reasons, but A, I mean, when I connected with you, where did we connect from? Well, I was thinking about that. Was it like Tony Robbins world or are you in that I, world? I have a feeling I just stumbled upon you, but I'm not sure. I would have to go back. Maybe many- re-listen re- to that episode because maybe I <laughs> plugged in something. There. <laughs> There's so many people where I'm like, did I meet you from Tony Robbins world? It's just such a big world and it's like personal development. So yes. if it's back then, I assume. But no, when I was thinking about you, I'm like, between your love for dogs, the work that you're doing in the world with your podcast, the conversations you're having, the way you show up so radiantly. And I feel like you're truly a woman that shows up and like wanting to support other women. Like I definitely get that energy from you. So I was just like, I have to bring you on the podcast. So thank you for coming to share. No, thank you. And thank you for recognizing that. I love that you pulled out that I love for my love for dogs. Yeah. (laughs) As you know, (laughs) I have that as well. So I'm like, yes, I love that about you. Um, So I want to just, we're going to get into more of what you're known for today, but in researching and learning more about you, I want to just like take it back so people can get a context of why you do what you do. So the thing that I saw was that you are LA native, which I didn't know. So that's so cool. And that you had a diagnosis when you were a child that seemed to be very impactful. So can you just take us back a little bit and let us know how Erica that we know today was influenced and formed through all these things? Yeah. And you know what? You brought up my uh, learning disability when I was age 10. I think it was around that age that I was diagnosed with, uh, it's called auditory memory disorder. So for so long, I carried this uh, story that I was just not smart enough and that I was stupid and like, I don't say things correctly. And English is my worst language, even though it's my first language. <laughs> so, uh, but the reason why that carried so far for me into so many years of my life, like even up to gosh, even like five years ago, let's say six years ago, uh, it stemmed from that learning disability, but it was reinforced when I was in a long-term relationship from age 13 to 23. Mm -hmm. And in that relationship, uh, he was older. So three years older, 13, and then he was 16. And he really made me feel less than him, that I was just not as smart as him and that I would say these stupid things and we kind of make fun of it. And so it reinforced that diagnosis. And I just carried that forward with me for so, so long. And when I started to get into personal development, let's say it was, I'm guessing it was like eight or nine years ago. That's when I really started to look at like this story, but I still didn't rewrite it. I still carried it with me until I actually did the deep, deep work to understand where that came from and why I was carrying that belief uh, for so long. And so, yeah, so um, where I had my biggest struggle was in relationships. I always was seeking love outside of myself, the validation, the approval, the confidence, like everything stemmed from the outside. Yeah. So I never truly cultivated it within me until I went into the deep work. And like I said, this was probably, I'm guessing like nine years ago, but I think when it really, really hit me and really when I uh, kind of awakened from my own uh, reality that I was living internally 
was I'm guessing like six, seven years ago, let's maybe say. So relatively recently, and I think I always say this, like we're all in the classroom of life, learning these lessons along the way. Like we aren't given this manual as we all talk about, like we're learning these lessons along the way and we're all in the classroom. No one is exempt from the classroom. So (laughs) I'm still learning so much about myself, but that I choose to do the work. So I love that. so So if I were to say like my story really, uh, where a lot of my pain was, was in the relationships and really seeking all the love and the validation and everything outside of myself, but not really cultivating it within me. And so when I started to do the deep work, that's when I started to realize, oh, I don't really love myself. Oh, I don't really respect myself. I really don't feel I'm worthy, even though I would speak these things into existence. It was mm-hmm. like, that's a facade, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, well, we all have that. Like, I think that's an important thing to just highlight for everyone listening. It's like, I think that's where it starts is you're willing to speak it. Like I love myself. I'm willing to love myself, but I feel like there is, I know for me, there was like this time where it was like, okay, I'm interested in that. I realized that I'm not loving myself. And then it's like, you begin to keep working and then one day it might click. And then even there's periods where I have to be like, oh, this isn't as loving as I could be or as loving as I thought I was like, what needs to be looked at here? What needs to be cleaned up? So yeah. I think it's it's that process. I want to go back to this relationship for a moment because I didn't know that. It's not on your website, so I couldn't yeah. find it. But now that you bring it up, and I want to share this for anyone that may forget what it's like when you're 13. I have a 17-year-old, and I'll tell you, these teenagers, if someone is one year older, they're like, they're old. Or if someone's one year younger, they're like, they're too young. So you were with someone that was three years older, And what were your parents thinking? Because this is a long relationship, 13 to 23. There's a lot that happens in those years. A hundred percent. It's funny because my partner has a 13 year old. So we're witnessing like from age 12 (laughs) to 13 is like vastly different, right? Yeah. There's so much that happens. happens. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy to think. I actually started dating when I was 11. It sounds really weird. I don't really share that because it was kind of like, I mean, 11's so young, but I was actually in a year relationship when I was 11 super weird. You went, <laughs> but, you were ready for like, you were ready life. to be locked down <laughs> early on. But yeah. I think a lot of kids do have relationships at that age. Their parents might not know, right. but you know, we are built and wired to connect and to do that. So I just want to share that. Yeah. So 13 to, and he was 16. Uh, first of all, they, he was actually a next door neighbor. So it made it kind of, that's how the connection happened because otherwise we were in different grades. So, uh, I was in eighth grade while he was a, wait, let me get this straight. I was in eighth grade. He was a junior. Okay. So, uh, we wouldn't have known each other if, because different schools and whatnot. So my parents did know of it and they were fine with it, I think, cause they knew the family and, uh, they knew when we spent time with each other, but I think it took a time for them to accept that. Cause that's a vast age difference. Yeah. Uh, so when you're young. Yes. But the one thing that really happened in that is because I was so young, I hadn't really become, I, I didn't know who I was. And I, as you're probably witnessing of your daughters, like we're always changing, especially at that age, we're like forming new beliefs and, uh, you know, liking this, liking that, and it's always changing. And so because I was with him for so long, 
I started to like the things he liked. I started to pursue the things he liked. Uh, he was super into cars. So I got really into cars and like, like something that I would, I'm so not into now. And it's just funny <laughs> when you look back at your past, you're like, wow, that actually happened. But, uh, so it formed me to become something I wasn't. And, and until I left that relationship and also dealt with all the pain that came with that, when I was in that relationship, I also, uh, had a moment of attempting suicide. Mm. I don't remember the age. I think it was 15. I would have to ask my parents maybe to gain more clarity on that, what age that was, but it was, uh, mostly a cry for help, but I did attempt. And I actually, after that, and I haven't even shared this in any podcast episode, but I, from that, I actually went to a home for two weeks. Uh, and I realized I was actually more normal than a lot of the people I was with. So that gave me a little bit more like sense of at least confidence in myself, like maybe not that bad. Life isn't that bad. And do <laughs> so, you mean because the people were like really troubled kind of thing at the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They came from a lot more troubled background. Maybe some of them had like, uh, I, I don't remember, uh, their situation or whatnot, but I just know that yeah, I think they were more troubled than me and came from a lot more painful place. So it made me at least have the perspective that, you know, things aren't that bad. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that relationship just really shaped me into something I wasn't. And so when I exited that relationship at age 23, it was kind of mutual, but, uh, that's when I really started to kind of dive more into who am I? And I was single for about five years and just discovered more about myself and, uh, came into, knowing myself more opposed to being attached to something and having mm -hmm. a identity over, you know, over myself of being in that relationship. Yeah. When you, cause you went from that long relationship and you took five years, was it a conscious decision to stay single for a period of time? Like kind of make space, get to know me or do you remember? I, you know what? I think I think I wanted to be in a relationship because that's, I knew that's what I knew. Right. Uh, so I think I wanted to, but I wasn't really finding anybody that I was aligned with or at the time just wasn't connecting with anybody. And, but I did love my single time. I think it was so, so needed. So I do completely recommend that to anybody, like anybody that is possibly struggling or getting out of a relationship, like take time to re reroute to you, like go, get home to yourself before entering another relationship. Because I think it's so often that we just don't take the time to like really connect with ourselves and really get a deep understanding with what we truly want. And I think that's super key, especially when it comes to relationships. I agree. I feel like even what you said, like I was super into cars or we could think that certain things are just who we are, but when we unravel from even communities or relationships, it's like, wait, is this true for me? So it's like, that's some nice space to reset. Yeah. When I was looking at some of your background, I noticed that you said that you were a fit model and I immediately thought like, oh, fitness model, like, you know, on the magazine of shape or something. But then you said not to be mistaken with fitness model. So I want to hear how you found your way into that, but also I want to know the distinction. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a very small niche market. Uh, fit model is basically a live mannequin for clothing manufacturers. So basically there is a model oh. that is used for clothing brands, clothing manufacturers. That is the, the size that they fit all the clothes on. And then everything is mass produced from that size. So basically oh. 
there is not like one model used for every single size. They use one particular model for every size. It's just graded off that, but it's very, very small niche market because it is so, so specific uh, to the quarter inch. Um, I got into the industry because I used to be a fashion designer and I was taking a break from fashion design and my friend's like, well, why don't you do fit modeling? And I was, of course I said all the things I'm like, no, this isn't perfect. This isn't right. Cause I knew from coming from that background, I knew that you had to be a certain way, but I signed with the agency and I honestly just started booking everything, uh, really fast. And I just said, okay, I'll take a break for a year from design and just make the money. This is doing well. And actually I still do it today. Very limited part-time, but, uh, yeah, I've been fit modeling for about 18, 19 years, the same, the same size. So I don't share a lot of it because, and the reason being is because for the longest time I've been trying to get out of it, it was something that I knew just wasn't my purpose. Obviously I like fitting clothes. Yes. It's awesome. Like, you know, the freedom, uh, you know, I'm self-employed and all these things, but for the longest time I was just trying to figure out what am I meant to do? Like, what is the purpose I'm meant to serve onto the world? So I don't talk about a lot, but there's a lot that comes with being, being in what I've been for so long, like the discipline, uh, it it takes massive discipline to be the same size within a quarter inch. And I, I fit a lot of denim brands. So denim's even more specific. So it's, yeah, it's a very interesting thing. There's not a lot of people that have done it full time. And uh, yeah, it's just part of my journey. But the one thing that, you know, for the longest time, even when I was in high school, I was always seen uh, for my looks and my body, even with like the, the, the men I would date, like it was always like my looks, my body and all this, all this stuff. And funny enough, I'm in this career. If you want to say that's all about my body, like chop off my head, it doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. And so I was always trying to escape that. I'm like, I want to be known for something that is using my brain that is actually like being a service to other by sharing whatever wisdom I've learned or, you know, just something that I'm an expert in. And uh, so it was something I was always trying to like push away because I was so like, I'm over being seen for just this. Hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of women can relate to that. I mean, a lot of people, but I hear from clients, people in my community that are like, well, I'm known and I, I'm good at this. It works, but I feel like there's something bigger. And I like, like the fact that you've been doing it for this long and it works for you and it serves a purpose for all of us that are buying jeans and, you know, like it does serve a purpose, but you also knew that there was a higher purpose and something else that felt like you had to do it. And I'm guessing that's what brought you into passion, love pursuit, which is your podcast. Yeah, absolutely. So that was one question I was always asking myself for years. I mean, like eight years at least is like, what's my passion? What's my purpose? What am I supposed to do? And I dabbled in all these things. And honestly, I think where I got super clarity on what I meant to do is during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. uh, because I had the time and the quiet space to actually go within, but I started the podcast about four years ago and that actually stemmed from my own personal development, uh, journey because I was just deep in the trenches of my own like self pity and just like, just breakdown, if you want to say. And, and I was listening to podcasts a lot at this time and it was just helping me on my journey. And so I just, one day was like, 
maybe that's what I'm supposed to do is start a podcast because I kept on getting, uh, you know, when you hear the same thing over and over, like somebody is saying something to you that maybe it's like, okay, maybe that means something like maybe there's something to this. And the one thing that I was being told a lot is you have such a good voice, like your voice is very strong. And so, uh, so when I thought about the podcast, I'm like, okay, maybe that, that was a clue. Like I, I was just following the little breadcrumbs. And so I started the podcast, but I wasn't known in personal development by any means. So it was kind of like complete imposter syndrome when I started. I'm like, who's going to listen to this? Nobody knows me for this, but I just did it. And honestly, it worked and it, um, I got great traction to begin with, uh, which was awesome. <laughs> uh, but also it's like, okay, now I'm in it. Now I'm like committed. And I think the key to anything is like when you fully commit, like you got to set yourself up for success. You have to be disciplined, consistent, and all these things. So I'm really good at that because of course I've trained myself for so long to be disciplined. And so, uh, so I said, like at first, uh, the first hundred episodes, like I'm going to stay with this for a hundred episodes. If I make it to a hundred, then, then that's awesome. I win, you know, like that type of yeah. mindset. And, uh, yeah. So it, it just worked. And I felt like more I was in and connecting with so many incredible people as yourself. I was just so inspired by these, by these conversations. And I was just all about growth and just becoming my best self. And so during the pandemic, I just, you know, again, checked in and, and trying to get greater guidance on the direction to go. And that's when I really discovered like really where I felt that I was meant to serve. Um, because usually when you overcome something, you're like, I need to share it with the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you want to share your gifts of what you've learned through your own journey. And so that's kind of where I've been led into, but the podcast has been such a blessing. I, yeah. uh, I mean, I love having these conversations and just meeting so many incredible people. And I think it, I think it's a true gift to be a podcaster. Yeah. You, personally. well, a few things here I think that are important is that you had no background in personal development. You had no platform, let's say, right. Mm -hmm. And you decided to do it anyway. And we can get into how successful your podcast is, but before that, I want to set the foundation of like, what was it like? Were you like Googling? What kind of mics do I use? <laughs> like, what, like, let's paint the picture of how much of a novice you were. Cause it's like, you didn't have a background in this. Yeah. So, uh, I did it all myself. <laughs> I Googled all the thing, read all the blogs, like watched all the YouTube videos. And I was just trying to figure it. Cause once I'm this type of person, I don't know anybody listening. Like once I decide to do something, I'm like fully committed. Like I don't, I just stay accountable most importantly to myself. So it's a big thing when I decide to do something, I can't back down. Mm -hmm. And I also shared it with others. So that was another way to stay accountable. And so I started researching and of course, like there was so much imposter syndrome that set in. So there was delays, uh, but I learned all the things and I just, you know, started preparing myself. And then I had ideas of who I wanted to interview and, uh, and then I launched in April, 2019 and yeah, it, it's just been such a great journey. And I think the, what I just recommend to anybody is like, you need, you need to remind yourself, like nothing is going to be perfect the first time you start. And so many of us get held back by that perfection. And that's the thing. It's like, I could have 
I remember like when I share people my first podcast art, which was when I recorded with you to now, it's like night and day vastly different. I couldn't believe I even launched it with the podcast art I had before. But again, I thought it was like so great. I said, thank God you did. Like, you yeah. know, I think that shows our evolution when we look back and we're like cringing over whatever yeah. we find. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think that like, sometimes we just have to like jump in the deep end and just like get rid of the idea of it being perfect the first time around. Of course you want it to be good. You want to set yourself up for success. And that's actually recently why I launched a, a DIY course on uh, launching your podcast from start oh. to launch, yeah. because I'm like, you know, I learned all this myself and I was able to figure it all out and I, you know, doing it all myself, the editing and all these things. And I just knew like, if I had like a step-by-step process that just made it streamlined with the tutorials and everything, I'm like, this would be perfect. So I wanted to give people the opportunity at a really low cost to just start and launch successfully. And so I created something called the podcast playbook, which is on my website. And, uh, yeah. So that's what I just think is so key is like, kind of just do it scared. Like, you know, sometimes those things we fear the most is exactly the thing we should step into. And when we talk about my learning disability and this story that I was stupid and didn't speak well, and then I have a bad memory, like these were all the stories, right? Uh, partly, I believe my subconscious mind was like, okay, this is your way to prove that story wrong. Like, Yes, you could speak well. Yes, you could learn and you could get better. Your memory will get better and all these things. So I I set myself up for the best success I could have. Like, for example, I wasn't doing video early on because I felt I had to see my questions in front of me so I could keep on track and uh, so I could, you know, be more intentional in the interview and do the best I could to conduct a good interview. And so I kind of put up these ways to set myself up for success. And so I think if anybody struggles in starting something new, like think of like, how could you support yourself in the journey? Like what are some guardrails you could put up if you want to say? And um, so that's what I did. So as far as the success, I think it's honestly, and I, I personally don't feel I've reached this success. The one thing I will say, I've been consistent. I've stuck with it. Like I'm determined to stay with it because I enjoy it. I know it's serving others. I hear great feedback from other people. I'm connecting with all these great people. Like it's serving me. It's serving uh, my business. And it's it's another um, branch or avenue to what I'm trying to build. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I just think that that's the key with anything is being consistent and dedicated to the process, the journey of it. Like you never really arrive at this destination, but if you really love it, just stick with it. Yeah. And the the hundred episodes, like there's so many podcasts that have been abandoned. There's even podcasts that I've looked up, like I was looking up real estate investing. So I was like looking up these podcasts and the podcast art like called me in and then I looked it up and I was like, Oh, they haven't done anything since 2021. Like, (laughs) where are you? Yeah. And I think that even for me, I didn't know if I want to take my podcast seriously, but I've changed my name because I'm like, I have to, for me, it's like, I'm like, this doesn't feel like I want to stay in this container anymore. So I found these evolutions, but I feel like I just got serious where I was like, I want to be serious about my podcast last year because it was just Mm. kind of something I would do. And I mean, it wasn't like I would go away for six months, but 
it's become more of a thing where I'm like, this is a like valid channel. It's important. I love listening to podcasts. And yeah. I think there's so much room for people to start a podcast. I mean, knowing Erica, what she's created, I would recommend doing the course if it calls to you for sure. I didn't know you had that, but we'll obviously put Thank your you. links in the notes. Um, but I think there's still so much space. People think that there's so many people with podcasts, but I love a podcast. It's different than going and visiting someone on Instagram or on TikTok or on I mean, it's similar to YouTube, but I just love a good podcast. Absolutely. And yeah, the statistics, it's actually uh, more than half of the podcasts out there have less than 14 episodes. Wow. So that's, that shows something like the people that are still in it, like your, yourself, myself, yeah. it's like, we've stuck with it. And that's the reason why it's, it's a great avenue and another asset to our business is because the consistency. So just so yeah. you know, even though like there's so many podcasts out there, like, I think it's the number changes all the time, as you know, but let's say there's 4 million podcasts out there. I'm just giving a, a roundabout number. Yeah. There's only 850 active ones. Holy crap. 850,000. Sorry. Mm, <laughs> Let me be mm. clear. <laughs> but yes. I was like, wow, we're, it, they're dying. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, it, but still, that's like when you think about it and you narrow it down to your niche, like it's not a whole lot. And so the key is like, if you're, if you're interested to have a podcast, if you still are like, oh, it's too late, it's not too late because you're, your audience is just waiting for you to make it available. And you are only you. You're different than the next person, the next podcaster. So just make it unique to you. And and um, whatever your vision you're trying to create with your podcast, it's, it's you know, there will be an audience for you. Yeah, and so I, agree. Yeah. I think that if you have a social media that you're promoting on and connecting through people, like podcasting is just one of those platforms. And it's a longer form conversation. I love listening to it. It's funny, like with all those podcasts that you're mentioning, 850,000, let's say that are active in life, I maybe listen to like seven, <laughs> like, you know, it's because there's people that just you resonate with and you connect with. And there's probably so many other amazing ones. I don't even know. Oh, there's so exist, many. Oh, you know? so many. Yes. I know. I have about maybe exactly like seven I rotate between, yeah. but like I sometimes actually yesterday I was going through kind of the database. I was just looking, sometimes I like to look at covers, cover art. Cause I yeah. I'm wanting to rebrand again, which I saw your cover art, which is super beautiful, Thanks. but like, I'm about to rebrand. <laughs> it's so funny because that's the great thing about podcasting. You could change at any moment. It's your yeah. platform too. Yeah. Like, that's why I love that. It's like yes. you have more control. Absolutely. It's, it's so great. Yeah. It's so, great. so I want to talk about this because you have um, also connected with some well-known, well-known humans in your time. What was it like? Cause you said imposter syndrome. What was it like? Were you nervous? Did you have stories about doing that? Or were you just like, we're doing it. It's part of my hundred. It's part of my 200. It's part of my next season, my evolution. What is it like for you going from like everything you shared with just feeling not worthy and all of that to like, I want to sit down and have these conversations with these humans because I know that I'm bringing value. Yeah. Okay. So I think, uh, I think I would get nervous between before every interview, not even kidding. Like just nerves, especially the big people. I mean, like, like you said, I've had some quite big names and I feel like, and this is so bad, but like, you feel like you're just less than because they're yeah. doing all these things. And you're like, 
oh my gosh, I'm just the interviewer. But so I was kind of feeling that, but uh, definitely nerves. But then after it ended, and I'm not kidding, after every single interview, there's probably been like less than I could count on one hand there where I felt like, oh, that could have been better. Every time an interview ended, I would literally get off and it's almost like I would do like a little happy dance and I would go out of my room Uh and I'd be like, if my partner was there, I'd be like, that was so amazing. And I would just like, just celebrate it. I yeah. I'm really big on celebrating small wins. So that I would do that so very often, but I feel it's so funny because I forgot what number it was. I think it was my 140th episode. And this is what's crazy. My 140th episode. I literally said, I'm like, actually, I'm pretty good at this. So I, <laughs> I, I actually was like, you know what? I, I think I'm a pretty good interviewer. Like I actually feel comfortable, like not, I, I still get nerves sometimes, but it's yeah. it's more excitement than the the imposter syndrome, if you want to yeah. say. Like I actually feel like, okay, I got this. So that's why I just encourage people to stick with it. I mean, I think this goes with anything. It's like, you know, the uh there's something called the the credibility, confidence, comp confident. Okay, let me get this right. I always yeah, get this like messed up. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's the credibility, confidence, competence loop. And so like the credibility is when you say you're going to do something, you do it and uh, you keep being accountable with your word and just the little things like celebrating the small wins, and then you will build confidence. And then the more you do something, the more competent you become. And so it's this continuous loop. And that's really what it is, is when you say you're going to do something, you do it and you have to keep doing it over and over. And again, grant through that process, you're going to get more confidence in it and then competence. So that's what it came to. Finally, I was like, I feel very competent in what I do. And that's why I started the the podcast playbook because I'm like, you know, I learned this all myself. I did all the editing. I did all the things. And so, and I've learned a lot along the way, talking to other podcasters as well and learning what works, what doesn't. And I felt like, okay, I could help somebody with this. And I wanted to, because I feel like if I was somebody that wasn't known in the personal development space and I was able to stick with it this long and I was able to get these guests, like you can too, trust me. Yeah, that's what <laughs> so I, I love just want about people it. To, yeah. So I think it's different when someone has all this other success and then they're like, I was on, you know, ABC for however many years or whatever. And then they're like, I can get these guests, but you decided, you made a decision and you've built this brand and it's, it's been successful. And I think that's, I get it so inspired by that. Just people that are like, I just had an idea and then, you know, stuck with it. And then it's all of this stuff flourishes. Yeah. And actually speaking of dogs, it's so funny. I don't know if you saw, we have a children's book that's based on my dog. I have that on here to talk to you about. (laughs) Okay. Well, (laughs) I'll talk about that, but it's just, again, like, I think when we have a vision to do something and we're really passionate about, like you got to see it through. But I do think the one thing that I like to call the power of decisions. Like when you decide to do something, okay, that's one step. Like you've decided to yourself, like the best other way to stick it through is tell other people, especially like out to the world, meaning social media. And then the next stage is investing money. (laughs) Yeah. Social accountability, especially if like that, for some people that really drives them big. And I know that was for me when I was doing my first book, it was like, I had to. And I feel like, so if you're someone that is driven by that, and I don't think everyone is, but if you are, yeah, tell people, (laughs) put it out there, put a date on it. Because if you start doing that, it's just going to fuel. 
Absolutely. And create urgency. Like, okay, I need to take these steps to do this. And, you know, if you take the little steps, eventually it will happen for sure. So yeah. yeah. Have you always been this disciplined since you were young? Because it is discipline. Like you mentioned, keeping the same size from 18 for 18 years. I'm like, I definitely haven't done that. Like it just, you know, it, like I can think about 18 years ago. I'm like, I feel like it was such a different body and it's, it's not bad or anything. It's just like, there's fluctuations. Um, yeah. And when I know that I was going to ask you about your routine, cause I feel like you are disciplined in your routine with some of the things you share, but I wonder like, where was your discipline born? <laughs> where like, was it always how you, were you just like a kid that was like, I'm waking up, I'm making my bed, I'm doing all my homework. You know, that's a great question. And I, you know, I have to think about that more like where it stemmed from, but I did start working out when I was younger. So I think I started working out when I was 15 and I think I created a discipline. Like, I think I was always conscious of my weight and I always wanted to be fit and healthy. And like, I started becoming pretty healthy at a very young age. Yes. I would have like the large fries and this, that, and the other, but I was health conscious other yeah. than that, other than those little things. But, uh, I think, uh, through working out and that becoming more lifestyle than mm-hmm. something you need to do, I think that created discipline. I, I think also having the job I had gave me the structure and the discipline, but all that comes to like your why of why you're doing it. Like me staying the size, same size was because that was my income. <laughs> like yeah. that's a pretty big why, right? So, yeah. and then also staying fit or working out. It's like, I had to work out because there's, it's funny. There's some fit models that I remember there's a main guy fit model. He's not fit modeling anymore, but he was about 20 years in and he actually never worked out. And the reason why he's like, I can't change my body type. I'm like, wait, you don't work like, out at like all? Like he doesn't do any anything at all. No. It doesn't even seem healthy. No. And so I'm exactly opposite of that. I've always worked out. So for me, it's it's a part of what I do. And also I wouldn't choose to not work out just to keep a job. Like yeah. But I did have to, I will say, uh, because when I was younger, I would u- usually build very easily on my lower half. So my butt would build, my legs would build. So I actually was doing, um, hiking uphill and I was really enjoying it, but I noticed I was building. So I actually had to limit (laughs) the times I would do it weekly because of that. So there was limitations. And actually that was one thing I didn't like about having being a fit model is like that limitation. Like I have to stay the same way, even though I wanted to be smaller or more fit or whatnot. Uh, but I think, again, I think it's that big drive and that why, why you're doing something and, partly the podcast, you know, it's like, I I knew I didn't want to fail at what I attempted to do. I didn't want to quit on myself. I want to see it through. And, and I also was enjoying it. So like, there was just a, a big discipline and drive for that. So I think that anything you're not sticking with, like, what is a reason why you should stick with it? Like, why are you doing this? And to really question that, and that should be your fuel to your fire, right? to yeah. remind yourself of that daily. I love that. That makes you a, an energetic match too, for the people that you interview. If you're interviewing successful people, successful people are disciplined. They know how to hold something till the end or see something through. Obviously everyone has different habits, but there's a sense of like, I'm going to see this thing through. And I think that's, that supports with all you're doing. When you talked about 
I want to go back to this because you mentioned that you were having a certain way of life and then you started doing deep work. Let's talk about that because I feel like, hey, that could be a lot of things, but I feel like whenever we do want to start kind of digging into what might be beneath the surface, we are being called into deeper parts of ourselves and to do work. So I'm curious, like for you, what was that? And what was the like impetus? What pulled you into doing it? Absolutely. So I, like I was mentioning early on, my deepest pain came from relationships. And so I, without getting into all the relationship dynamics and whatnot, it was like, I would keep on getting the same lesson over and over. And it's like, I would make little shifts, but it wasn't really changing how I was showing up and and who I was truly being in the world. And so when I had this, uh, this was about, let's say five years ago, because I've been in this relationship I'm in for four and a half years. So maybe actually it was six years ago. Uh, I was dating somebody. I thought, oh, this is the one. Like I really hoped he was the one. I just really liked him. And I, I was just like goo goo gaga, whatever, all the things. Yeah. And that relationship ended and kind of all these things happened at once. And so again, I was like, not another time. Like I was just like tired of it. I was tired of being like heartbroken. I was tired of like things not working out. And so finally I was just like, enough is enough. Like something needs to change. And so I decided at this time I would work with my life coach. And this was the third time working with her. And I didn't have the means at the time, but I'm like, okay, (laughs) if nothing changes, nothing's going to change. So I have to commit. And so this time I was a little different. And I think this is important for people to hear because I was very intentional this time. And the reason why is because the other times I worked with her, I would take calls when we were, when I was heading to a client and just, I wasn't really 1000% present in doing the work. And so this time I'm like, okay, if I'm going to work with her, I have to set time aside. I need to have a journal in front of me and I need to be just locked in. And also the other thing is I was just very intentional. Like this is change that I want to create in my life. So I'm going to do the deep work and I'm going to set time aside. I'm going to create the space. I'm just going to be focused. And so I was just very intentional with my energy and time. And I just you know, I, I knew I needed somebody to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I knew I couldn't just do it myself anymore, you know? Yeah. So, so I, with her, a lot of the work was really rewriting the stories and the the beliefs I had about myself and what was holding me back and just clearing those roadblocks and uh, getting very clear. Like I said, those stories of, you know, of lack of worth, uh, really uncovering that I didn't really love myself because if I did, I would hold higher integrity and respect and healthier boundaries. Um, and then I also got very clear on my values and who I wanted as a partner. And then this was the most important piece is like when I wrote down all these, uh, characteristics I wanted in a partner, I would turn the mirror on myself and ask myself, okay, am I actually being this in my life? And a lot of it I felt wasn't true. Mm. And so for, for myself, I'm like, okay, how could I expect, expect this in a partner if I'm not embodying this myself? Like who I need to become the person before I could expect to attract 
that type of person. And so that was a big thing is taking really just radical responsibility of my life uh, for what has brought me to that point. And I just really started to uncover just like the truth. <laughs> if you want to say like, stop these lies yeah. and just like, you know, the, the self-respect was a big thing that I was not embodying. And, uh, I was in like a toxic relationship for almost like four years, like on and off kind of some sort of a relationship, but not really a committed relationship. So it was just not healthy. And, and that really, uh, showed me a lot of my wounding and it showed me a lot of the things I wasn't really, um, being in integrity with. And so that's what the work looked like to me. A lot of it was just really taking radical responsibility. I love that. I, I find that's where kind of, you know, we can really meet the miracle in our life. But I feel like it's important to bring up, like you mentioned, you went back to your coach three times. So this was like third time, right? Did you find that some of the things, just because I, as a transformational coach myself, like, did you find that you were talking about some of the same things, even this third time? Uh, But of course. Yeah. It's like we revisit, but I think that some people think, same lesson. I did something that was it or didn't work. And it's like, there's layers to, there's layers, there's like a, it's almost like a, a willingness for our psyche to let us in. Like, are you willing? Are we prepared to meet those parts of us? Mm, that's and so true. it might not happen in the first six months or first year, but that doesn't mean give up. It just means that, you know, we've been building the protection so that we can live with these things for our lifetime. And sometimes it takes time to be, so we're actually ready to hold that and process it. Like it's very confrontational. Yeah. And be open to receive it and get that feedback. And like I said, it it was a different intention. I set that time. And because I worked with the same life coach that third time, she knew my history. Like she knew me back in, uh, after my first 10 year relationship, I was in another, I've been in a long, a lot of long-term relationships, but, uh, I was in that relation, the next relationship for about five and a half years. And she knew, me in that, like, that's where I started working with her. And then I worked with her after that relationship ended. And then now in this other season of life. And so she knew my history. So she was able to bring up, like, she knew my patterns. Yeah. And you she can't knew hide the story. in those kind of things. Yeah. <laughs> there's no hiding. But I do think there's something yeah. to be said, like when you're open to receive the feedback and to be honest with yourself, like take that like radical honesty and just be able to like hold the mirror to yourself and just be truthful and honest and create this awareness. Like, okay. Like I think taking radical responsibility is the most empowering thing you could do. Cause now you change the trajectory of your life. Now you are empowered, mm-hmm. you know? And so if we keep playing a victim to these past stories and all these things that have happened in our life that hasn't worked out, like we will stay stuck. But when yeah. we take responsibility that we played a hundred percent, responsibility in like your story is, is really deep. And I know that it's like people say like that obviously wasn't your responsibility for what happened, but you do know that as an adult, like we are responsible for how we carry ourselves forward, the choices we make, the decisions, how we, how our energy, our time, and all these things that we participate in our life. So taking responsibility is so hard hard it's it's confronting not by anyone else but i think confronting ourselves yeah and forgiving ourselves sometimes (laughs) yeah it's like i did this to me 
but I can also stop doing this to me, you know? Yeah. And also making peace and, and forgiving yourself for allowing yourself to be in that situation for so long, but also giving yourself grace. Like it's not that easy. It's not black and white. And so, you know, moving into acceptance and forgiveness is, is really the, that was a key point in my journey Mm -hmm. because I think so many of us are held back by all these stories and beliefs and all the things we feel we failed at, or I was stuck there. I didn't do this. And, you know, I allowed this person to do that, but like, if we truly are able to accept like, okay, this is my journey. This is what has led me to where I am today, but that doesn't mean this is how I need to live my days going forward. Like now I choose where I'm going to step forward and like consciously and aware with intention, with purpose, this day forward. And I think it's a, I asked this in a mastermind recently that I spoke at because I I talk a lot about self-love and there's so many facets of self-love. Like if you were to think of self-love as the tip, there's so many layers underneath that, like the self-trust, the self-confidence, the Mm self-acceptance, you know, um, there's so many layers. And I ask, because I think this is a key thing that people don't think about is, have you truly accepted the totality that has brought you to where you are today? I mean, made peace with it, like accepted those times that you weren't your best, that you failed, that you stayed in this relationship or whatever it may be. And several of them raised their hands and they said, no. And I'm like, that's something for you to journal about and to really think about, because I believe truly that this is my perspective. You can't truly get to self-love until you've accepted all the totality that has brought you here and forgiven those parts of you that maybe you did something wrong. Maybe you weren't showing up as your best or forgiving yourself for not making the best decision then or being disrespectful or whatever it may be. And then I believe you could open up that pathway to self-love once you fully get to that point. So you could authentically love yourself. Anyways, I got in a whole nother tantrum, but no, you know, I love like- that. I mean, I feel like that's why we have these conversations. I think that's so medicinal. medicinal. I feel like it's so true. Because it's like, even for me, when you say that, I can think of different points in my life where I've had to have that conversation with myself. Because even like when I spoke to you four years ago, I was at a point where I thought all of these things are good now. But what I found in the four years is that as I would decide, like, well, I'm going to evolve, I would still have to meet some of those things Mm -hmm. in a different facet or things would have to be, again, looked at or my body would respond. And it was just like, again coming back and gathering all all parts of me and making sure I'm not trying to abandon any parts of me or dismiss any parts of me or like, whoa, I was acting like, so it's like, there's a constant, I would share this just from my perspective for people listening because self-love, it seems so basic, but yet it's what we're, we're looking for. We're ready for it. We're collectively speaking. There's so many people that are so disconnected from it. And I think for me, it's like gathering up the parts of me and making sure like, are we good? Is everybody good? Do we, everyone's safe? There's trust here. There's love here. There's respect here. We can move forward because yeah. if not, like I'll find like, oh, there's a part of me that I'm kind of like, you're messy. You're annoying. Like get out of here. And it's some thing that's showing up. Um, so it just, it's a constant journey. It is a constant. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like oh, trust me. Like, <laughs> even though I know I love myself and I respect myself, I know my worth. I still have hard times where I'm like, 
you know, I just feel, you know, imposter syndrome or whatever these yeah. things might be, but like the, it's always going to come up, but it's just some, it's there to teach you something. It's there to kind of be like, oh, yeah. why is this? And kind of just question, be curious and just unravel another layer, you know? That's and I exactly think, what it is. It's like, yeah. that's part of the evolution. Like some of these things we'll revisit. And then it's like, we have a new foundation where there's mm-hmm. a new baseline. I feel like as you're doing the work, but some of the things can show up and a new experience, a new high, a new big, a new expansion, a new vulnerability can also invite those parts of you to the surface to be like, oh, I didn't know you were here. Yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. it just needs our tending, our tending yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lifelong journey. <laughs> I, no, I love that. Um, I love what you said. That was a great quote. That was a quotable, tweetable if you were on Oprah. You know, she says that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a tweetable. Um, So in this, you've done the deep work, this, now you have a relationship that you would define as healthy and it feels good. Do you still find that some of those old aspects of Erica that were afraid show up in this relationship? Yeah, because I feel like that's, yeah. Yeah. So like I said, I think that it's not like we ever arrive. I think that, you know, there's, there's constant constantly going to be something that will challenge us and that will uncover along our journey. And yeah, I've been in this relationship. It's going on four and a half years. Uh, and there was, there's been hard seasons. Right. And I remember, gosh, I think it was maybe like six months ago or something. I realized parts of me that I really struggled with started coming up again. And and this was some of the deep work I did, but I was able to, at least like the way I looked at it now, I was more again, turning the mirror myself, like, okay, why is this showing up? Like, what is, what is this trying to teach you? And I was more again, taking just the ownership of it. And I was able to really uncover and really ground myself back and reconnect to the parts of myself that I realized that I needed to work on, you know, and and that I need to look at. And so when you start to do this work, it becomes easier to rise, (laughs) you know, like when you fall down and when you realize like, oh, this is something, you know, people in personal development or even people that are just struggling in life. Like sometimes you're like, not this again. Like, do I really have to work on this again? Like I thought I healed this. I thought I did all the work, (laughs) but like, again, it just shows up again. And you're like, okay, maybe this is something that I haven't quite healed, or maybe there's something more to this. And so I think when you're, when you're in the work, if you want to say, if you're constantly choosing to grow through these experiences, you're able to rise faster because you know yourself more and you know how to, uh, there's just such a great power in, in turning the mirror on yourself and asking the questions like, okay, how am I showing up? Like, am I like, what's the part I'm playing in this madness? Right. Yeah. I love so that. Def- and thank you for yeah. sharing because I feel like that's what I, that's what I want to share to people out there that might think, well, I'm doing it wrong because it's coming back or I still see that part of me. And I think that that's the thing is like, no matter how much work we're doing, like it is a lifetime assignment. And you said this early on, like we are in this earth school and we're here to learn. We're here to evolve. Like we're here to discover. And that part of holding the mirror to you is like where we learn the most. And it's Mm. so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. So with your, your partner now, and you have a, you know, this, your, your other love, you have the love of dogs, which I feel like 
I didn't realize that we both had that four years ago, but since I've seen you sharing things and I've seen Zach Scow, who's been on the show, like you oh, have a connection with him and love Marley's Mutts, love all that. But um, I followed your journey with Chance, your dog, mm-hmm. your former dog that has passed yeah. on, but now you have this legacy, Chance, the blue nosed reindeer. Tell us about <laughs> so how <laughs> that came about. Yeah. Like how that came about. I mean, I feel like for me, some people, and I was one of those people, I remember I hate to admit this, but I was one of these people that when I had a job, like an office job back in the day as a younger self in my 20s, somebody's cat died. And I was like, it's just a cat. And I can't believe that was me. Where now it's like, I have my dogs and my dogs are like my children, you know? I mean, and I think that people don't understand that. So I just wanted to share that for anyone that may be like my former self. And my heart just wasn't open to it mm-hmm. as it is now. My heart's so open and I just love these little beings. So oh, yeah, yes. share, share with us. Yeah, uh, I love it. Uh, so it is so meaningful to me that Chance's legacy lives on. Like I can't begin to tell you how much joy it brings me. And this is kind of goes into like when you have something on your heart and it's really just tugging at you, just say yes to it and let it, let it unfold as it may. Like, you know, Don't put like, okay, if this isn't successful, then I haven't done a good job. And it's like magic has happened with the book, uh, Chance the Blue Nose Reindeer. And then last year, or sorry, yeah, last year, uh, we launched a plush doll, which is Chance uh, plush doll. And it's just the cutest thing. But the way this book came about, uh, my partner's a writer. He he doesn't write children's books, but he had this idea of because you know Chance was just so special, so unique in so many different ways. He was a pit bull, blue nose pit bull, and I have just such a love for pit bulls. And uh, he came up with this story, and so we wrote the children's book, and it was perfectly designed. Looks like Chance in the book, and it's a really just cute, warm-hearted story. And the great thing about it is it's really a message about pitbulls and then also uh, miracles and just this beautiful story of a new twist on uh, the red nose reindeer, obviously. Yeah. And so, so it was really great. So that came out about three years ago, I believe. And it did gangbusters the first time, uh, the first year, I think we were top three Christmas books we hit, wow. which was really just a miracle in itself. Oh and then uh, last year at Barnes and Nobles for Christmas at Barnes and Noble at the Grove, we had a book launch party and a reading, and that's where we also launched the plush doll. And uh, it's just been such a gift. I mean, to have yeah. a children's book out there, especially of my dog, is just a reward in itself. But the kids are loving it, and also the plush doll, like even. One of my clients gave it to her daughter that's eight years old and she sleeps with it every night. It's her little brother. <laughs> Kids love plushies. They're so precious. <laughs> yeah. The plush dolls, let me just tell you, that was just, oh, let's hope this does well. And it was one of those things. I'm like, I just really believe in it. I just think it's p- potentially going to do really well. And so yeah. I committed to it, invested in it, and we sold out. I ordered 250 dolls. They wow. sold out and I'm, I'm waiting for the other shipment to come in, but it's actually because of this, we're actually building out a ch- whole uh, brand. Oh so we're going to build That's out. So big. Yeah. We're going to have a few more books uh, coming out and then also another plush doll. And yeah, it's, it's a magical thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I love that. And I think that even with pit bulls, like pit bulls, 
I, I have a thing with chihuahuas, but pit bulls and chihuahuas are like the most euthanized dogs. And, you know, there's a lot of my dog, Pablo, your dog, Chance, was probably super sweet. But my dog, Pablo, actually does Pablo, behave. He behaves like the chihuahuas that get euthanized. Like, I'm sensitive, so I know he's sensitive. And mm. I just protect him. But I can see how challenging it is. People don't understand why I have him, why I keep him. I'm like, well, what am I? He's my child. <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to do anything. But he's, he's like special needs. He can't be approached in certain things. But um, I feel like in that community, the Pitbull community, I feel like there is like a need for a message and clarification and a new story to be told. So yeah, how important for you to bring that forth in this like beautiful, colorful way. It's such a gift. I feel I, it's like one of the things that bring me, it brings me the most joy. I'm not even yeah. kidding. Yeah, it's oh, great. I can imagine. So having the 250 sell out and now there's like a whole brand coming. So chance, how long did you have chance? Cause I still, I remember the chance. He was away. about 11. Um, I got him at eight weeks old and the reason why, I mean, he was just so special. Everybody that met him loved him instantaneously. Cause he was just this gentle giant. And, but he was so significant in my life cause he lived many journeys, a lot of pain, you know, one of this, one of the other times when I was suicidal, actually, um, I remember I would like hug him and hold him and cry with him. And I remember saying to him, like, I would never leave you though. Like I'm, I'm going to get better because I'm, I would never leave you. And so that was such a significant thing that he was just my son, a hundred percent. Like yeah. he was actually the closest thing to me. And I mean more than my parents. And yeah. so when he passed and he passed because of cancer, it was the hardest thing. It's the first time I feel like I've ever fully grieved and gone through the whole grieving process. And yeah, yeah, it was so hard. It's a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I think when I look back on why I did not want to get a dog, we kind of, Chanel found our dogs as fosters on Instagram. Like, um, there was this place that was like, we need fosters. And Chanel's like, can we just foster a dog? And I was like, no. And we finally did. And then I realized after fostering how much I love them. But I just feel like I realized I was like, there's a part of me that's afraid to love these dogs so much mm. and know that they're just, I mean, obviously no one's with us forever, but they have shorter mm. lifespans. Right. And yeah, that's such BS because I mean, anything can happen at any time, but it was just like, I don't want to put myself through that. And it, I was like, oh, that's old part of me. Like, that's not what I'm here for. So I ended up fostering and it failed. I went back and got Pablo and then now we have Cleo. And now I'm like, I would love to have a Chihuahua rescue. <laughs> so it's like a oh, whole trust different, me. Yeah. A whole different no, thing. <laughs> trust me, my, uh, I feel like another purpose of mine is uh, for pit bulls, meaning like pit bull advocacy and speaking yeah. for them. And uh, one other thing, because I dealt with his cancer, I, I just like was doing everything possible to prolong uh his passing because with cancer, with dogs, it's like, it's inevitable. They're going to pass. Uh, but you just want to prolong it and, uh, as happy as they could be for as long as they could be. But, um, I learning all the things I'm just like, I need to share this with other people. And it's so funny because actually since then, because I shared so much of the journey, I had so many people come up to me, like either of their dog being diagnosed with something, or if, they were losing a dog or they wanted to know about cancer. They came to me and I felt so thankful that I actually had some 
something to share with them. Like, this is the research I, you know, I learned all this. I want to do whatever I can to at least equip you with the best knowledge so that you could help your dog, you know? And so I got such a great passion and purpose from the process of everything with chance. So yeah, it, it's definitely some like of the tips. Like, did you have tips of like preventative or yeah. was it something that you realized? So this is the one thing and knowing Zach Scow yourself, if you know most of his story, he, he's so phenomenal. His story is so deep, so many layers. But, you know, one thing that we talked about when I had him on my show as well, that doctors, like when you go to a, get a diagnosis, they don't usually tell you the diet you need to change. Mm -hmm. It's really like cut dry. Like these are the meds you take, like this is your diagnosis and this is your, you know, what to expect. They never really tell you the diet. And that's what pisses me off because diet is so key. So, so key when it comes to cancer. And so I just doing all my research. The one thing is you need to cut out all the carbs, anything that's going to spike their glucose. So, uh, you know, like the sugars, the carbs, which most foods have all kibble has is mostly carb base. They're yeah. fillers and it's dogs. Like dead do- food. Yeah. I make and- my dogs like grass fed beef. <laughs> Like, yeah, I hear you. My, our, our new pit bull now, the food he gets is ridiculously expensive yeah. and it's all like, yeah, it's, it's crazy, but I just, I don't want to give crap to my yeah. dog. Like if I care about his life, why would I be giving him just kib- any kibble? Yeah. So the first thing when a dog has cancers, you got to, you got to strip the carbs. And so of course, mm-hmm. like changing the diet, you want to give him obviously like the protein you want to give them omega threes is really important. And also the superfood mushrooms, especially turkey tail, because that helps with the immune system. Mm. And then, um, what's the other thing? Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So those are like the key things when it comes to the diet is, uh, making sure it's limited on carbs and then yeah. giving them like the, the things that help their immune system and help them detox and that strengthen, um, yeah, it strengthens their immune system. So those are the I key things. I think yeah. that now as we are just evolving anyway, I mean, humans are paying attention to how much crap is in the American diet. I mean, it's, I feel like I, I don't like the feeling of regular grocery stores. I always feel sad in there. Cause I'm like, the food here, there's just so much stuff that we're not even supposed to be eating. Oh, it's um, so crazy. But with our dogs, Pablo had skin cancer like mm. uh, a year and a half ago. He had a little thing and I was like, oh, and it turned out to be skin cancer. But we started doing just food for dogs and that was good. But now in Austin, they don't have that. It's a whole thing to ship. So then I started making some things, but I know not everyone can do it, but I think that we start paying attention to like what foods are alive and living and have life force to them, which our bodies need. And then foods that are just there to serve as, will you feel full and it's different. So thank you for yeah. bringing that up. Yeah. It's so, uh, I, I, that's a whole nother, <laughs> like a whole tangent. Whole other, whole other podcast episode. <laughs> there's so much, there's one book I would recommend, or at least to listen to these people that have talked on podcasts about this. Uh, it's a book called the forever dog. And they talk about what, they're holistic veterinarians and they talk about how to help your dog live, live longer. And it's same as humans diet, exercise, and stress environment. So once you at least inform yourself of these things, like what's the best you could do? Like you don't have to spend, you know, thousands on their like 
you know, their frozen food and all these things yeah. like there's really high end, but at least you could go better. Right. Yeah. I think that most of us could do better. Yeah. I love that. I saw this story recently about this dog that was like 30. Did you see that? Oh yeah. It's crazy. I think it was in yes. South America, but they were just yeah. like, all he ever had was food. And it's funny because I mean like human food, but it's mm. funny because my daughter, she would say, don't give them food. Like, don't give them your food. I'm like, my food is like clean. My food is organic. <laughs> this food that, you know, but there's this belief in the community that the vet would say, this is healthier. This thing in the can, our vet has that. And it's just like, no, I'm not buying it. So I love that. You now have your new dog, Hudson, yeah. new, new son. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy that you found like another, you know, Thank something you. that another dog to love and to pour into. Also, is it the same kind of pit as? Yeah. Chase? A blue, yeah. a blue nose pit pit. Yeah. Is that rare? I don't know. Uh, blue, blue nose isn't rare. I would say I uh, no, I don't think they're that rare when it comes okay. to pit bulls and whatnot. He's so different than Chance, though. So it's kind of interesting. Um, yeah. The ways he's different. Uh, yeah. But again, like no one will, like no dog will be yeah. just like the other one. But it, it's, you know, like learning an, a new language, right? Yeah. Like they have so. their own souls. Like my two dogs are completely different dogs. <laughs> like, yep. so it's just, it's interesting. Like they are just, they have their own souls. They come with their own purpose. And, I love that you found Thank your, you. You know, another one. I I love that you're doing this work. I feel like with your podcast, you're obviously sharing light and bringing stories and conversations. And even with the tidbits that you've shared here, I know they're going to reach people and, and help. Thank you. And then helping the dog community, which is such a big, I mean, dogs love us so much and mm. they deserve humans that are going to speak up and help them as well. Um, I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I wanted to bring up with you, but I feel like we, we touched so much. Oh, I wanted to ask because when I think of you seeing you over the years, I think of, I see you with your green juices and like doing your exercises. I was going to ask you like your morning and evening routines, if you have one that's specific. And now that I've been talking to you, I wonder, because I feel like you're disciplined. So I'm like, I feel like you might have a, like a regiment of something that you do. You know, it's so funny. I feel like they're constantly changing and I feel, uh, you know, like what I would have said, you know, six months ago is different than what I would say now. And, um, I'm constantly refining it. Like sometimes I'm like, Oh, I want to get back to this. Oh, I need to do this. Honestly, since we got Hudson, it's been all like mishmash of things. Like it's not really set as it was. So that's challenging. Uh, cause I, I wasn't prepared. He, we got him as a rescue, but he was a puppy. So I wasn't prepared for the puppiness. <laughs> it's like uh, a whole baby. It's like a whole child. When I foster puppies, I was like, this is too stressful. I need to foster it's, older dogs. <laughs> it's <laughs> a lot. Uh, so morning routine, uh, first staple thing I do, I mean, you know, the normal stuff, but then I always have warm, warm lemon water uh, with uh, glucosamine and some... I've been adding some mineral drops as well. Yeah. So I'll always have glucosamine. Glucosamine. It helps yeah. with your with your gut. Oh. Okay. L, or L, is it L glucosamine? Yeah, I think it's glucosamine. Okay. Sorry. Uh it's just a powder. You add it to your water, it doesn't taste like anything, but it helps your gut. And so I drink that in the morning. And then I have my warm my coffee with superfood mushrooms always. Mm. I love uh four sigmatic. That's the brand I love. 
And then I have, um, I always, always do or spend time with my skincare. So I do uh, some form of skincare with essential oils and I do either grasha, facial cupping or a firming wand. Like I always am like yeah. taking care of my skin in the morning with all the serums and whatnot. And then I, uh, trying to think what I do now, I will then go work out and I usually either work out the gym, free weights, or I'll do the Legree method, which is the basically Pilates on the machine. And then I, uh, Sometimes, not always, we'll do a cold shower. Uh, I'm trying to get back into that. I hope our new home when we move, I'm hoping to get an ice bath so I could start uh, incorporating that into my morning routine. Uh, it feels amazing. It's very challenging at times, but it's so great. Uh, it's invigorating. It makes you feel powerful. It's obviously lots of health benefits. So that's one of the challenge challenges I have in the morning. And then... Uh, from there, I also do, there's one thing I incorporate again, not all the time these days, but something called Egoscue, uh, exercises. Do you know yeah. of it? Cause Tony yeah. Robbins, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I do these stretches that were customized to me when I uh, got my assessment and I'll do those stretches. And for myself, that's helped my posture so much and the pain I feel in my back or shoulders. So I'll do these stretches. Uh, I'm not religious with it, but I'll do that. And then yeah. What else do I do? And then I always have uh, a cacao drink uh, as I'm preparing to leave for the day. I'll mix up a cacao bliss from Earth Echo Foods. That's one of my most favorite yeah. things. And and then I'll start my day, whatever that looks like that day. And so that's kind of it's kind of simple right now. I used to do the meditation, and sometimes I would go on a long walk. Uh, that I I sometimes do. Uh, I love walking. It's my most favorite exercise, to be honest. And it's, walking. oh, it's so great. Nothing is, feels better to me than being outside in nature and just fresh air. Yeah. So walking is one of the things that I incorporate as well. Uh, but yeah, like I said, it always changes. I used yeah. to do the meditation. I used to do like the breath work, I, you know, I used yeah. to do all the things, but having a puppy now it's changed. Uh, yeah. Night routine. The one thing that I've been doing in my night routine, I always do again, the skincare thing. Uh, reading is a big thing for me right now. So I always make sure I'm reading before bed, at least getting in at least 10 pages yeah. of some book I'm reading. So that's just one of the big things I do. Uh, yeah, nothing too special. And I wish being that I interview so many people and you know what they do, they share what they do. And you're like, I want to do this. Like meditation was the hardest thing for me to develop a habit doing. And the number one thing that everybody says, like the common, the common denominator between most people I interview is they meditate. And so I'm like, I yeah. got to do it. And every time I'll set the intention to do it, but I'll fall off. So I just stopped putting pressure that I, that needed to be the thing I need to do. Um, so I think when it comes to setting up your morning routine, your evening routine is what works for you. But if you have an intention, like let's say, for example, myself, I want to read at least two books a month. So my intention is like, okay, every evening I have to read or I want great skin. I want to take care of my skin or I want to do the lymphatic drainage on my body. Like I'm setting the intention to do that, you know? Yeah. So I think your routine's yeah. great. I think the thing is like, yeah, you could add meditation if it calls to you, but I don't think that we should meditate if it feels like a chore and we feel like we don't 
want to do it. And I think that's part of like honoring the feminine (laughs) because it's like allowing what feels pleasurable. And if you feel called to meditate, you'll be called to it, you know, when it's time. I think um, I was just going to add, I think for myself personally, walking meditations are more beneficial right now. At least that's what works for me is like when I leave my phone at home and I just go outside and fresh air and I just let my mind wander. I just, that's where I get great downloads personally. Yeah. That's really like, as long as we're reaching those states, it's meditative. Um, I love walking meditations too. I do mm-hmm. Dr. Joe's today. I had to sit down and do a meditation just because of things that have been happening lately. Good for like, you. I need to sit, but there's times where like sitting just feels like it doesn't feel like it's the highest good for me. And I think that that's the thing. It's like, we get to let it be more dynamic. So yeah. Thank you for sharing. I love that. I love people sharing their, their things. Cause I feel like even if you're interviewing all these amazing people, I've listened to lots of amazing interviews. No one's morning routine is like, Whoa, but I feel like it's inspiring. It's inspiring to hear what other humans are doing. You see what they're doing and it might just inspire you to do a little something different in the morning. So that's why I love it. Absolutely. Like somebody that's releasing on Monday, he talks about for 23 years now, he journals the night before and he asks himself these three questions. I'm like, that's really awesome that you do that. <laughs> like, I wish I could do that, but you know, like, but that's inspiring, right? Like, yeah. oh, maybe there's a version that I could take on. Yeah, Totally. Well, is there anything else that you want to share a little wisdom tidbit? Of course, we're going to share your links and, and get all of that out into the world, but um, anything at all that you feel called to share with the community before we go? Hmm. I'm trying to think what your audience would uh, be served best. Well, I like to say like one of my biggest lessons, you know, I, I th- as we were talking about earlier, like the biggest lessons we learn in life or through our own journey. And one of my biggest lessons was all I need is within me mm-hmm. that all these things that I seek outside myself, all the validation, the approval, the love, and all these things. If I just know that it's all within me, that I could cultivate this, that I, if I just connect and return back home to myself, it's all there. It's all there. And that is the truth. And I really believe that so many of us are so distracted. We we keep ourselves so busy, I myself as well, that we forget about that. And so I think the more you create the space and the time and the energy to connect within, as we're talking about meditation, it could look whatever it is to you. Meditation could be, again, just getting outside. But again, I think you should leave your phone at home. Like, Don't put more distractions in your life. Like take time and energy to create that space so you, that you could connect with them because all those things that you're trying to achieve and all the things that you need to like validate you, it's right in there. I just Mm -hmm. think that we have to keep returning home to ourselves and connecting with that. So that's, that's just my lessons I've, I've learned. And I try to remind myself that on the daily, like it's all there. I love that. And I think that's perfect medicine for anyone listening. Cause in our, this world today, like there's so much pulling us to be like, look over here, did this, this is what you need. And it's like, yeah. we have to have that discernment. And so your reminder I'm sure is right on time for a lot of people. So Erica, I just, I honor the woman that you are, everything that you're creating in the world is just, it's beautiful. And I'm excited to see what's to come four years from now. <laughs> 
to see what's Thanks. been created and what has evolved. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Nicole, thank you so much. I'm just so happy to connect again. And thank you for holding this space for me and having me on and, and celebrating all the things. And um, yeah, I'm excited for, there are a lot of good things coming. So I'm excited to share it all. So thank you. All right, my friend, it's me again, Nicole. I want to thank you for tuning in to listening to this conversation and most importantly, being a part of this podcast family. We are growing, we are evolving, and I'm so happy you're here. There's a lot of goodness to come. And I want to say thank you for leaving a review. So if you've already left a review or if you would like to take a moment and leave a review, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and I've created a gift for you because these reviews of yours, it helps me grow the show. It helps me reach more people and it helps me get more special guests on the show and to let them know that we're here, we're a family, we're listening, we're paying attention and we are ready for the big conversations. So let's do this together. If you've done that or if you're going to do it, just take a screenshot of your review and go ahead and send it to my DM on Instagram, my personal message on Facebook, or you could send it to support at NicoleSylvester.com. Either way, we're going to make sure that the team takes care of you and gets you this gift. It's going to be here for about two or three more weeks. So if you want to do that, do it now. And for now, I'm going to send you off and just say that I wish you the best day. May you continue to grow, evolve, and to lean in and trust yourself more than ever. Thank you. I will see you next time.